Thank you, Michelle. Um, please do take your seat. Thank you, band. Thank you, Ben. Good job, man. Excellent. Yes. Do you, do you know what the miracle was, though? Because I had forgotten to put the oil cap back on. When we stopped at the service station, I pulled up the, the bonnet to have a look. The cap was still in the engine block. It kind of got lodged somewhere, and I managed to put it back on top again. And uh, yeah, it, it used approximately one liter of oil for every tank full of fuel. And yes, the piston rings were in big trouble. If you don't know what piston rings are, that's irrelevant to you, but for the mechanics, you know what that means. Anyway, welcome, welcome online. It's good to have you guys here. This is your first time, a very, very warm welcome. Um, we are at the moment looking through Psalms, as most of you know. So I had planned for this message to have a look at Psalm 50. Um, but I was finishing off my prep this afternoon, and uh, I've added a whole section at the start. So I promise you not to be too long. So whether we get onto Psalm 50 or not is debatable, right? But we might do, or we might do a very whistle-stop tour of Psalm 50 at the end. Is that okay? Or if it's not tough, because that's what we're doing. Um, but let's just pray, and then I just want to read a couple of Psalms, bits of Psalms, before we get stuck into this message. Father, I thank you so much that you love us and that you believe in us. Father, I thank you that you are here and you long to speak into our hearts and into our minds, into our souls. Father, help each one of us, whether we know you or not, whether we feel we're close to you or not, just to give you permission in these next moments, if we haven't done already, to speak to us. Father, you created us, you know us better than ourselves. And Father, if we will allow you, you will help us to become that amazing creation, that amazing person that you've made us to be. So, Father, we give ourselves to you and speak to us. And, Father, I pray if there's any here or who hear this message online, whatever, Father, who don't know you or drifted far from you, Father, call them home tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalms. 150 chapters of Psalms. Now, I have been reading Psalms for a long time. And if any of you know me, Psalms is not my favorite book to read. Because let's face it, there's a lot of words and a lot of poetry, and that's not my favorite thing to do until this year. Was actually, I didn't mind going through them and gain quite a lot of them. And uh, I want to begin my message by just reading the first and the final psalm, well, the first few verses and the final psalm to you to give you a flavor of what psalms is all about. So Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, and sorry, guys, I forgot to give you these, so you can't put the words up, but so it's not their fault. Psalm 1 verse 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's kind of the heart, the beginning of Psalms. This is what the psalmist is trying to do, is they collected all the psalms. They wanted that to be what was the result of people reading, singing, talking about the psalms. And then right at the end, Psalm 150, the collectors put this psalm last. This is, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his suppressing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
That's the result they want. When you finish reading the Psalms, that your heart is so full of praise for God. You see, it's a book of prayer and praise, a book of faith and trust. It took centuries to collate. They think the very first Psalms were written by David, or maybe David copied them from people even before himself, because there's no record of where they all came from. But we know David definitely wrote some of them, and then all through Solomon's reign, all the way through. And they reckon this final version of Psalms, this kind of collection, this prayer book, was finished somewhere in the 3rd or 4th century B.C. So it took them hundreds and hundreds of years to collect them all. And just imagine the thousands and thousands of songs and poetry and prayers that were written in that time. I mean, just think in our present generation, how many songs are written every year by songwriters? There's, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, across the world written. And it would be the same in those days. People were praising God. People were right. There would have been this huge collection. And out of that huge collection, 150 were picked. They were picked. Why? Because they were songs. They were poems. They were prayers of real people facing real issues, involved in real dreams, going well or badly. People with real thanks. But all of them with a real faith, a belief, as they wrote for and to God, that God could be trusted and God would come through at the end. And the psalmist wrote it. So if you read it, if you diligently study it, at the end of it, you go, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. As I diligently study, as he said in Psalm 1, your concepts and your commands and who you are, I come out the other side going, wow, God, you are amazing. I need to praise you with all that I have and all that I bring to you. It's why we say in church, come and bring your best in the worship time. Don't sit there like a stuffed dummy. God deserves everything. He deserves your voice. He deserves arm actions, whatever that means for you. If you can possibly get off the ground, he deserves a bit of jumping and dancing. Why? Because your heart should sing. You know, I'm into football matches, even cricket matches. You know, people jump up and down in cricket matches. But in football matches, you know, the passion that people have when they're at concerts, when they're in sports events, church should have the same passion. Actually, the church should have even more passion, right? Because we have more to celebrate. And that's why I encourage you. It's why I love these guys all dancing and, and people putting their hands up in praise. It's all scriptural to dance and to sing and to praise God with all that we have. And as I've been thinking about these things, doing some reading, and uh, I came across um, a summary of, of well, a guess, because let's face it, the 3rd and 4th BC is a long time ago, so it's a guess, right? But the, the kind of the key themes that the psalmists were trying to, as it were, get across to the people that would read them, that would actually, uh, as it were, use them. Because this is a prayer book, like the CV prayer book. This was used in services. It would have been used in the Zerubbabel Temple, for you historians. The Herod Temple that was destroyed in AD 70, for you historians. And it's, it was, it's been used in synagogues. For millennium, right up to this present day, the Jews still use the Psalms in their synagogues and they sing them, they pray them. It's part of their worship. And, um, but it's got some broad themes in it. It's got some broad themes in it to help congregations, to help us connect and understand uh, who God is, our place in life, and how we should build our lives. And so I wanted to, this is my edition, so this is my very long introduction, right? I wanted to share the four big themes of Psalms. And 
I am rapidly coming to the conclusion in my old age that if Christians could just get the basics right, we'd do a heck of a lot better. And these four things are basics, but if any one of these basics isn't in your heart, isn't in your life, I want to say the Psalms will help, as it were, supercharge your understanding. And that, do you know, the, we talk about standing on the rock of Jesus, right? What does that mean? It means some of these four things I'm going to talk about now. There's things that you can stand on and build your life on, and it'll give you a, a real stability in your Christian life. They're not complicated, but they're absolutely essential for us. And depending on how long I take, I may or may not get onto Psalm 50. Number one, the psalmists are trying to instruct us that God is in control of everything. He's, in fact, the psalmist would say, the center of absolutely everything in the universe. He's at the center. And he's trying to, as they collected these, help congregations, help individuals know, if only you would center everything of your life on God, it will work. It will make sense. You see, God is a center to understand everything. Why are we here? What's the point of life? Where are we going? Without God in the middle of your life, it's just plain confusing. And how many of our friends and relatives who don't know Jesus, don't know God, are going like, I have no idea why I'm here. I have no idea if there's light after. I, I just, why? Because they don't have God in the very center of that. He's, when God is in the center of our life, we have something to trust on. We have a hope we can live in and live for. And when we put God in the center, he teaches what is morally correct. I sometimes have some fascinating conversations with people who don't know Jesus, right? And uh, they're kind of talking, you know, do you know how the conversations go? There's something on the news, somebody's done something wrong and all that kind of thing. And sometimes I just feel a bit cheeky. cheeky and I go, so why is it wrong then? You know, that person killed somebody or hit somebody or, you know, did, did, did a proper something wrong? Not like a minor thing, like a, a proper, well, why is it wrong? And they go, well, it's just wrong. Yeah, but why? Why is it wrong? And they go, well, it just is, isn't it? I said, no, but what do you base it on? And then they go, well, it's just a society norm, isn't it? I said, but where does society get it from? Well, the answer is actually at the moment, get it from the Bible, whether they realize that or not, because our, our whole moral system, our whole law is based on the Bible, right? But without God in the center, in the end, people don't know. They, they either get it off other people or they make it up and they hope for the best. But with God in the center, we know our morality. We know why. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. And because God's at the center, it's a good morality. When God's in the center, we understand who and what we should be worshiping, right? Everybody worships something. We just do. We're born, we're created to worship. A lot of people worship happiness, right? They want to be happy. As long as I'm happy, I'm all right. Some people worship money. They want more and more money. Some people, relationships. They want to have a relationship. With that relationship, they feel like their life is empty. And they actually, though they, don't, they would never explain it that way, if they're not in a relationship, they feel like they're missing something. They are, they're missing God, right? But, but it... it it helps us to, as it, worship that which is worthy. Worship that is, um, can give us true fulfillment, a true understanding. And we can only do that if God is at the center. Because God is at the center of everything, the center of history, the center of creation. 
He controls and centers everything in our lives. And the psalmist desperately wants to help us to get this idea that God at the center works. God not at the center. It doesn't work. It's always a struggle. The second big theme is this, that God is king or God is sovereign. Now, we're not talking like our new king, King Charles III, who um, pray for and believe in. We're talking about king as in absolute sovereign, absolute authority. That kind of, like an old-fashioned king where all things and all people, in fact, all of creation is subject to this God who's king. He created it. He rules it. He dictates order and purpose. He's why we live. He's why we breathe. He's the one that gives us our very breath and our very life. Both the psalmist and the New Testament talk about God is king. And the psalmist wants us to understand that God is king, complete king. But more than that, that he's a good king. He's a wise king. He knows what he's doing. That he's a righteous king. He does things righteously. Actually, he does the right thing when he makes decisions. They're not arbitrary. He's not like a, like a human king that doesn't really know and he's guessing. God doesn't guess. He knows because he's righteous. That everything is a right decision, so to speak. And he's faithful. He keeps on ruling. He keeps on ruling. But the Psalms also lets us know that he's sovereign king. He's rule of all. But actually, he gives you freedom to stuff up. Alex, God loves you. He's sovereign. But he gives you the freedom to stuff up. Is that Okay. It's okay. The, uh, the scholars talk about him being amazingly benevolent and merciful. And I love that kind of concept. Though he's sovereign, he allows us to be ourselves, to grow and to learn and mature, to make mistakes. Um, I'm a parent, and uh, I think God's more benevolent than we are sometimes. You know, we kind of want to take control. Do you want to take control of their children and stuff? But God actually allows us to grow and to believe and to be who we are. And he is the Holy One. But, but the scriptures also say, Psalm says this, in the end, he won't tolerate any other authority. He won't tolerate any other. There'll come a day. And Psalm 50 talks about it, if we get around to it. He talks about the common day where God, anybody who's opposing him, anybody who's doing what he doesn't want to do, or even anybody who's just ignoring him, he will sort it all out and he will put his rule, his good, perfect, wise, righteous, faithful rule on all the earth and all the universe. A kingdom of righteousness and peacefulness he'll bring everywhere because he's sovereign and we only have what well, the Bible calls it a today, a now, a few moments, a few years, maybe a few decades or a few centuries. But they'll come to an end because one day God will say, enough is enough and no rebellion will be left. He will, as it were, bring peace and unity and joy to his whole creation. And Psalms helps us understand this, both the mightiness of God's sovereign rule and also how we fit into it and how God loves us and gives us mercy and time to respond to that love that he shows for us. The third big theme is this. So you got that? Center of life, sovereignty. Two big themes for us if we're going to really stand solidly on our Christian faith. Third one is this, that God chose or called Israel to be his represented people. 
I use the word chosen and called interchangeable because he chose them and he also called them. Now, if God had chosen and that was the end of it, they would have had to do it, right? Because he's sovereign God. But actually, he called them, which meant that they didn't need to if they didn't want to. And if you know your Bibles, part of the time, quite a lot of the time, a lot of them didn't really <laughs> respond to the call very well, even though they were, in one sense, chosen. But God chose Israel to be his representative people. And, he, and, and God chose David to be his royal representatives. And this theme that those who follow God are ambassadors is written in Psalms. If you want to know why you're here on earth, understand this, that you were chosen, you were called to be ambassadors for God himself. Not for your own gain, though that might happen. Not for your own blessing, though that probably will happen. Not for anything else, but for his glory and his honor. You see, the Israelite nation was supposed to so shine to all the surrounding nations that they'd say, how do we become you? That was the plan. That was the idea. And during Solomon's reign, for a brief bit of history after David's, after King David's reign, the, the nation shone and it talks about almost the whole world, the Hittites and the Queen of Sheba all coming and, 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 and just experience this amount in uh, you know, worship of God in this temple that was gold covered inside and it was just uh, so much silver, it was counted as nothing, gold without end and spices and peacocks and baboons and, and even King Solomon's servants, they were so splendidly dressed. They couldn't believe how, just for a brief season, the kingdom of Israel showed the world what God could do to a nation who would follow him wholeheartedly. And even though as that kingdom, that kind of time came to an end, just for a season. Why? Because they were called to be a representative people, ambassadors for God himself. And the Psalms helps us see that. And it helps us see that God chose Jerusalem to be his capital city. Obviously, it helps us realize who we are in Jesus. We are blessed. and We use our blessing not for ourselves, but to demonstrate to the world that God is king, that God is sovereign, and God is center of our life. And help them see and desperately hope that they may see something special in us that says, I want something that you have. And for all of you Christians in this room and online, the vast majority, you know, your life needs to be dedicated to reflecting the beauty of God so that people can see something so amazing. You know, I'm believing this season ahead for so many of you. If you will say, God, I understand that, that God will actually open people's eyes to that spiritual wonder in you, that spiritual kind of blessing in you. And they'll go, what do you have? What do you have? In fact, go and talk to Amanda. Amanda's got so many amazing stories of people asking her about her faith. Why? Because she's an ambassador of Jesus and her life shines for Jesus. And things happen when we understand these things. And then the fourth big theme is this, that Psalms teaches us, is that God chooses to be with his people. You see, the Israelite nation were different from the surrounding nations. In that the gods of the other nations, who were no gods at all, were afar off, were distant. You know the story of Elisha, way down in, in, in Israelites' you know, history. He said to the people, the prophets of Baal, call on your God. Call on your God. Where is he? Is he, you know, is, is he sleeping? Is he on a journey? Is he, is he hungry? Is he revealing himself? You know, what's he doing? And then, and then the Bible says that Elijah knelt the time of the evening sacrifice and prayed a really simple prayer. God, honor your name. Honor your servant. Let the fire fall and burn this offering up to glorify your name. And God said, of course, I'm with you. 
Of course I'm with you. I will answer your prayer in the glory of my name. And things happen. And the Psalms over and over again help us to understand that God is with you as well as with us. He's with you. He's with me. He's with each one of us. And as we, as we understand this, he, because he promised, he said, you know, I will place my spirit on the temple. You can come meet with me anytime. You can come and talk with me anytime in the temple and through the priests and stuff. Now today we don't need to go through priests. So the Bible says we're all priests, right? But for the Israelite nation, this was different from all the surrounding nations. And the psalmist over and over again emphasized that God is with the people of Israel, defending them, supporting them, blessing them. And it helps us understand that God is with us as we follow God, as we, with our hearts set to him and for him, that God comes and joins with us. The day of Pentecost, Acts 2, that's recorded for us, says that God is not afar off or with a certain set of people, but he's with every single believer who opens up his heart and life for them. These four themes in Psalms. Sorry I didn't have time for lots of verses. You'll have to look at all the verses yourself. But these four big themes of God's centeredness, of God's sovereignty, of God's chose, choosing and calling a people to be his ambassadors, this idea that God is with us. These are some of the themes, the four biggest themes, I believe, that Psalms will help you understand and help you stand and base your life on. And I would encourage you, even if it takes you 25 years to get to like and understand the Psalms, persevere. The gems will eventually come out and shine, hopefully brighter as the years go by, but begin to shine as you understand why and what the Psalms were written for. The four big themes. Well, church, that's my introduction. And um, it's quite long, wasn't it, really? And um, do you know, do you mind singing a few extra songs instead of doing Psalm 50? Would that be all right? I'll tell you what, Amanda, why don't you issue pop up and tell us a story. Tell us one of your stories of how you've shared the gospel to encourage these guys, of how simple it is and how to take an opportunity. That would be amazing. Thank you. I think. Thank you. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, some of you might not know me. A lot of you probably do know me. And I'm sorry about that. But anyway, um, I'm not a person who um, is um, what you would class as healthy. Um, I, have, I, I have chronic illnesses, and, and, it, um, and that's challenging. Okay, but I don't want to waste any opportunity for telling people about Jesus. And every single opportunity you get, take it. You don't know what influence you have got. I don't even know what influence I've got. But when you speak kindness and you speak truth, God will use you. Honestly, he will. Um, So one of my stories, um, I was rushed into hospital um, quite poorly, and, um, and I just had an operation, actually. It was the operation one, last one. I've had a few. Um, so um, I was just talking to the girls on the ward, and this lovely young lady on that bed at that side. I'm in this bed. I'm, I'm, I'll paint you the picture. Two beds here in Blackburn, and two beds there. Okay, that's the ward. 
So the young lady here, she just had an operation where she had to have her thyroid removed because she found out that she had thyroid cancer. And I overheard her on the mobile phone talking to her husband because she had two small children at home. Okay, so when she put the phone down, me being really nosy, because I am, um, I just said, oh, I'm really sorry, sweetheart, you know, what story, why are you here? And she told me. And I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And she went, no, no, go on, do it, you know. So I just prayed for her. And then I just settled back down on my drips, in pain, you know, out, feeling sorry for myself. And then the lady on the bed next to her, she said, are you a Christian? Like, she talked like that because she's from Blackpool. So if you're from Blackpool, I'm really sorry. Um, she said, are you a Christian? Do you love Jesus? I says, yeah, I do. She says, I want to be one of them. And I went, okay. <laughs> and she said, my son's just become a Christian. And the story goes, he was in prison. And he found Jesus in prison. And, he said, and she said, I've just been to his baptism a few weeks ago. And I want to be in that water. I want to be dunked like him. And I went, well, there's a bit of a process before you get to that point. I said, just let me know when you're feeling a bit better, and um, I'll pray with you. And if you want to know Jesus, I will gladly lead you to Jesus. And nothing happened. And I thought, I'll just leave it. I'm not going to press it. I'm not going to force it. Because people are vulnerable when they're in hospital. You don't want to be forcing things on people. And, um, and, just and I, I got to go home early, and I thought, oh, cracky. And I went, uh, Linda are you still interested in following Jesus? And one of the nurses came in. She said, yeah, will you pray with me? And I said to the nurse, I said, you can stay if you want, but I'm just going to pray with Linda. So she exited. <laughs> we had the word to ourselves. And I led her to Jesus. And what I'm trying to say is, God will offer you, he will give you a plate, and he will give it you and go, there you go. And I have no idea why he chose me. I have no clue. But all I can say is that he will use you in the weirdest of circumstances or at the tiller asda or in the playground or at home on the phone or you're emailing someone or speaking to someone he will use you if you're willing to be used okay so i just is that okay okay thank you thank you amanda just be encouraged church even in the worst of circumstances, God can do amazing things and use you. As long as you keep God at the center, make sure he's your sovereign, ruler of all things, first, full stop, just first. If you realize that you are called and chosen to be his ambassadors, and what a privilege that is, right? And that God's always with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And, you know, keep reading the Psalms. We'll finish next week. I think is the last week of Psalms. We'll do a few more in a year or so, but... Always remember the Psalms are there to encourage you and build you up and teach you these truths over and over again through real-life prayers, real-life situations. People are struggling and they pull their hearts together, but in the back of it, there's this faith that God's always there. He's always sovereign. He's always ruling. It'll always be. Okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to hand back to Michelle. The band are going to play a song or two because Jack's quickly got some together for us because that's Jack and team. Father, I thank you so much for the book of Psalms. Thank you for all those hundreds and hundreds of authors throughout the centuries who gave works willingly into the temple, into the synagogues, 
not expecting that they would end up in the Bible thousands of years later. We thank you particularly for David who wrote so many, so many honest Psalms that talk about his anguish and yet his hope and then you coming through. Father, help us not to read Psalms as a theology book, but as real life stories and may they encourage us and build us up, Father, to know that you have us in your hand and in the end, all of creation, all of everything, God, that you will come and you will make it all right. In Jesus' name. Amen. But, but as real life stories, and may they encourage us and build us up, Father, to know that you have us in your hand. And in the end, all of creation, all of everything, God, that you will come and you will make it all right. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>